think. Yeah. So I'm just doing two little sections. The first one's a lot longer than the second one. But children, we are learning about Jesus and his bride. He's married to someone and he's married to the church. And all earthly marriages are supposed to be a picture of Jesus and the church. And um, all right, today... Um, I want the children, if they're not busy doing other things, it's up to you which one you want to do. But could you draw for me a couple of things? And I'm actually looking forward to it. Jesus on the cross, that's one. But could you also do people eating bread and wine? Auntie Janet will explain what wine is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, bread and wine and but here's the important thing for today um, people watching closely as it happens so Jesus on the cross people eating bread and wine but people watching closely alright hopefully that will make sense in a bit um, today then what is the event in the life of the bride that brings us close, possibly more close, to our loved ones in heaven than any other event we put on. And it's important because this morning we're going to see not only how the priest Jesus makes his bride, but what our focus as the bride should be on. All right? So, I just want to bring up the first verse. I got it in quiz form for you. Revelation 5, this should be. And I'm going to read it. This is um, John. He's having a vision of like a divine liturgy service happening in heaven. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God people from every tribe and language, people and nation. Wales, Malawi, isn't it? You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor, with the American spelling, and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them saying to him, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb to praise and honor and glory, be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. So what is the focus of the bride? Here's a few questions. Is singing important in the life of the church? It's a yes or no, Park End. Yes. According to this text, though, is spoken almost liturgical statements of worship important in the life of the church? Yes, because they're saying it. Who, and I like this because it's tying in that we're starting a communion service, the second, well, I can't remember, in the evening, second, 
evening of every month on Sunday. And it's just communion, all right, with liturgy and creeds. Who is the focus of the praise in the divine liturgy service that John has a vision of? Who is the focus? And it begins with an L. The Lamb. Children, did you know that Jesus is also called a Lamb? Why is that? And remember, when we have communion down here, do you remember this? It says this. For whenever you, Park End, eat the bread that the children are drawing, or drink the cup of wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when we do it, we're proclaiming something about Jesus. All right. What is the bit about the lamb here that they are most focused on as a bride? It's that he was, and it begins with an S, slain, killed. I want to pause here. Don't let, us, don't let this pass us by. How does the divine priest form and bring his bride together? Why is Jesus the lamb that our focus should be on? Here's another one. I have got some answers. Why in the ancient church... Did they kill an animal as a picture of one day what would happen to their Messiah who was going to come? Jesus, have you ever wondered that? Why has the focus been on slain animals? When we do it in communion, slain Jesus. Why? Why is this the focus of the bride among everything else? Okay, let me have a go at answering it. You can answer as well. If the Father is life and we would reject life, where does that leave people? The answer is death. If you don't have life, you have death. Have you ever met this person? They're just like dead. They're existing. They're not living. They're going from buzz to buzz to buzz, trying to find life. And it's just like they're dead. Have you met that person? Obsessed with toys just to find life. So in order to bring people life if they're dead, we need the source of life to sort of come where we are in death, kill it, and bring us back out of it. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's quite logically sound. To break the power of death. All right. Now in the Bible, children will be learning this in primary school, in the Bible, it teaches this as well. If you have blood pumping around you, you're not dead. You're alive, usually. <laughs> and so, if blood is spilt in the Bible, it's like a symbol of death. It's not supposed to be on the floor and out of people. It's just this symbol of death. All right, so follow this. When the animal died... It was a picture of something which had life becoming and entering death. And that death brought life to others. That was the ancient church. It's what this church now in glory is singing about. 
I had a friend recently, and he debated an atheist on the internet, and he reminded the atheist why this is so. Why does a dead animal bring life? All right, listen to this. The priest, the Old Testament priest, was also the local butcher. I don't know if you know that, but he would do these sacrifices on behalf of families and the church, and then, with some of the sacrifices, they would eat the animal after it was dead like a barbecue. Who doesn't like a barbecue? The ancient church loved barbecues. I've done my patio out because you're all invited. I'll have to talk to Rita about how many can come at one time. But over the summer, you're all invited to a barbecue. Why? Why is that amazing? Because with a barbecue, their death raises us up and gives us sustenance and life. So on top of a good meal, this spiritual lesson was being taught. And the children are drawing people in church eating bread and wine, the picture of the one who was slain to bring people the life of God. Because with Jesus, the priest, it's the first time the priest also became the sacrifice. The first and last time that happened. And you see the curtain being pulled back in Revelation 5 about divine communion singing. Now watch this as I wrap up part one, because this is a belter. Nick, can we have verse two? Uh, this is from Hebrews. Now, this is my case to make us realize how church, special church is. How close are our loved ones who have died trusting Jesus, how close are they to church when we focus on Jesus? How close do they come? All right. Okay. Like, what I want us to do is actually tell people why Jesus and church are amazing. Like, why? So we got to learn it. Okay, now here's my case. This is a verse about the church um, in the New Testament. In Hebrews 11, it's just listed tons of people that have died and are now in heaven, like Abraham and Moses. Then it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then you jump to verse 22. So, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses this morning, if we're focused on Jesus, but you, church, New Testament church that this letter was written to, you have come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come in your worship to heaven, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, Anybody, loved ones, die trusting Jesus. Their spirits are now righteously made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. All right. We come, when we focus on the Lamb, to them this morning, and they come to us. They are singing, worthy is the Lamb. And when we take Holy Communion, or even when we have services just focused on the Lamb, 
we come to them. Now, why is that important to any of us? Well, let me tell you. Because last week, a new computer game came out. And in this computer game, you would hand in photos of loved ones who have died. And then the computer game would make it a 3D version of your loved ones. And you'd put a 3D mask on. And you'd get to interact with your loved ones that have passed. But it's a computer. And I just think that's a tragically malnourished version of what church has got. Because church doesn't need that. When we focus on the priest, he brings his hosts, our loved ones, to us and brings us to them. That's special. The divine priest will unite us again with our loved ones in Jesus. That's why we focus on him. Jesus comes to you. He comes to us this morning with all of his saints, all those who now share in the heavenly glory. When you eat his body and drink his blood in the sacrament, your loved ones who have fallen asleep are with you at the feast. I think I'll just end part one with this. Do you know friends that are so tired and lost and sinful, empty and lonely or hopeless? Bring them to church. Particularly bring them to that divine communion service where they don't have to listen to me for half an hour and like ponder the depths of life. They just come and we'll say, confess your sins at this table and he will meet you. That's the power of the focus of the lamb that was slain. So that's all to do with how he makes us. He died for us. He brings us in. What our focus should be? Him. New life in him. So that's why the children, hopefully you're going to show me in a bit, people eating bread and wine in church, but loved ones peering in. Isn't that mind-blowing? You'll be pleased to know part two is a lot, lot shorter. All right, we'll pause there. All right, my final bit. Good work, children. Lovely. Now, this part two is going to appeal to a certain type of character. You get, some people are going to love this. Um, if Jesus is the priest and the lamb, and he's the focus of church, um, and the one we go to for life and direction and things like that, and it, he's the one who made church, who is in charge of Park End Church? <laughs> is, it, is it a democracy or a divine monarchy? Mm. <laughs> Children, is Uncle Owen in charge of Park End Church? My boys are like, is this a trick? Well, am I in trouble later if I get it wrong? Um, Park End, are the elders in charge of Park End Church? All right. Don't have to be so aggressive about it. Is King Jesus in charge of this church? Children, I don't know if you want to do any more pictures, but could you draw Jesus in charge of people? I just want to see what that would look like in your head. Because they're going to project like what they see as authority, aren't they? Can we see Jesus in charge of the church? Um, yeah, it is Jesus in charge. Now, this one's important in terms of the atmosphere of the bride. Now, men, my boys, young children, one day you might get married and uh, 
you'll have a bride, and it's important you keep the atmosphere of the bride happy at all times at home. There are these things called vibes, and they come off our brides, and you need to make sure that they're always a-okay to keep the atmosphere of the place happy. In this bride, the church, how do we keep the atmosphere of the bride happy? Um, have you ever met this person? They leave church forever because they haven't got their way over something. Have you met that person? But it's always like something quite silly, really. Not always, but 99%. They might mask it in spiritual language like, um, I don't know, you're chasing away the Holy Spirit. Um, but really, it's over something small. Um, and the church should be like, actually, we've only reached 1% of the area for Jesus. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. But for some people, it doesn't matter. They're like, oh, I didn't get the color fire extinguisher I wanted on the walls or something like that. It is stuff like that that breeds a bad atmosphere in church. Did you know that Marks and Spencers has got chrome-colored fire extinguishers? I learned that yesterday because we had a fire course here. That's posh, isn't it? Have you met this person? I'm not getting anything out of church anymore. Oh, and you say it's the bride and amazing, but I've had enough. But when you pray into their life, they sort of, they come late, they leave early, and they just moan, and they haven't lifted a finger for anyone since 1970, and they often target those who are actually trying really hard in the life of the church. Have you found that? Look, we're all guilty of that stuff. Um, my son's just having a fight. You all know we all need a dose of the right perspective. Right, let's have the first verse up. 1 Peter 1, watch this. Who owns Park End Church? Ready? Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish, or spot. A timely reminder for us all. Park N. Who owns us? Jesus. The priest has bought us, not with money. He can do much better than that with his life. For us, for you, brought. He's done far better than waste time with money, earthly goods. He's about deep stuff. I read this this week. Jesus will teach you that you don't exist to pursue some shallow version of happiness. You don't live for yourself alone. Rather, you exist now to serve your neighbor, to be the hands that God uses to love and provide for his creation. Isn't that stuff much richer than if he had just bought us with money and told us to go and live for that stuff? You'll find this if Jesus is the center of church. Your aimlessness will fade. Your aimlessness will fade. You'll begin to see that children are better than money. That company is better than isolation. You'll see that caring for the sick and the poor is, now listen to this one, far more rewarding than devoting your life to the avoidance of becoming sick and poor. 
You'll just look at our model. He's giving his life for people. You'll find that that is so rewarding. That's what church is about. Next question. Who delivered this church from death? Well, here's the church in Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Who delivered us? The Lord. Who delivered this church from the horrors of death? The Lord. Guess what, Parkend? If you trust Jesus this morning, and children, if you trust Jesus this morning, evil and all nasty things like death and decay, they're not going to have a lasting grip on you. Because you've been delivered from that stuff. Go tell your neighbors that. Being a Christian won't make you wealthier or healthier in earthly terms. It won't exempt you from suffering, but it will do this. If Jesus is the center of church, it will give you the riches of a clean conscience and a heart that can be battered in life. Battered, but not destroyed because it belongs to Jesus. Here's my last question. Are the elders in charge of Park End Church? Here's Acts 20. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he attained with his blood. So this is a call to everybody. As we go forward as a church, let's be patient to one another. Let's understand Jesus more and pray with each other. And here's the best bit. Because Owen isn't in charge of church, all this week, from the youngest to the oldest, we get to look out for one another too. And a healthy church has loads of ministries where we visit each other, we pray for each other, we text each other, we study the Bible together, we, we um, confess our sins together. Now let me end with a quote from a legend, a man I met yesterday. His name is Richie. Richie was the file mar fire marshal instructor who taught us what to do if there's ever a fire in this building. And he said this quote, and as he said it, I was thinking... That's the best quote about church I've ever heard. But he meant it about what people do in fires. And did you know in fires, people look after people more next to them if they know them or if they're family members. So if there's a fire in this church this morning, you're more likely to look out for one another and put each other first if we're not total strangers. And here's the quote. Are you ready? Families and close groups will tend to prioritize group survival over personal survival. Families and close groups will tend to prioritize group survival over personal survival. And I was like, that is church! And then he jumped up, but I didn't. <laughs> Go, Park End, make this church and the Lord known all week long. Help rescue lost and lonely people and bring them into his bride the divine priest's bride for his name's sake. Amen. We're going to close.